Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. He prays and he cries out to God, God, help me, God, save me. I need, I need to be saved. And he's waiting for God to show up and do a miracle in his life. And so he goes up finally on top of the roof and he's standing up on the, on the roof and the water finally creeps in and here's what happens. A boat comes by. And the boat just says to the guys, like, hey, man, it looks, it looks really bad. Like, you're going to die. Do you need help? And the guy's like, no, 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 I prayed. God's got it. He's going to take care of it. I'm all good, man. Thank you. And the boat driver's like, you're crazy. And he drives away. And so then, you know, a few hours later, a helicopter finds out there's this guy. And he drives by and, and comes down and says, you know, he throws down the caveman ladder and says, you can call up, crawl up if you want. And and the guy shouts back, no, 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 I'm waiting. God's going to save me. God's going to take Well, eventually the guy drowns and he, you know, he's up in heaven and, and he's standing next to God. And, and when he's with God and, and God says, uh, what, what happened? And the guy says, well, I was waiting on you to save me. And God just at that time was like, you're kind of an idiot. Um, first I sent the boat and then I sent the helicopter, you know, come on, dude. And so I think here's the dumb thing that I want to talk about. I want to unwrap together. If you know the saying, finish it. God helps those who, you will not find that in scripture. It's not there. And so here's a little bit of the history behind this saying. God helps those who help themselves. In fact, historically, here's what happens. Barna did some research. 65% believe the Bible answers all or most of the basic questions of life. 44% of people believe the Bible, the Quran, and the Book of Mormon teach the same truths. 60% of Americans can't name half the New Testament, or half the Ten Commandments, excuse me. And then 63% can't name the four Gospels in the New Testament. 31% is this. 31% believe a good person, ready? 31% believe that a good person can earn his or her way into heaven. And then here's the crazy part. This is the craziest one of them all. 81%. 81, the highest of all of these, 81, that's like a majority, that's like passing a test, 81%, that's a B, okay? 81% believe that God helps those who help themselves is a direct quote from the Bible. Okay, it's not in the scripture. You will not find, you can Google it all day long, you can't make it show up there, it's not there. So where does this idea come from? The idea comes from mythology. You remember Hercules? Big, strong Hercules. Some of you guys or gals, my wife really liked that show, Hercules. She kind of liked the way that guy looked. We'll just leave it there. Back in the day, I think he's actually a Christian. But Hercules was, you know, one of the gods. And the story goes, there was a wagoneer. He was driving his, you know, his wagon and with the carriage and the sunk into the mud. And he's crying out to the gods, God, save me, God, save me. And, and Hercules shouts down. He says, the gods will only save those who save themselves. Most of these biblical misquotes contain two truths and a lie, okay? Most of the time, through these misquotes, we end up kind of being like Silas on the river going, I got it, I can do it on my own, and we fall flat on our face, okay? That's what happens. And sometimes we're up on that house, and we're going, okay, God, I need you to save me, and yet he continues to, and we continue to ignore the signs that he sends our way that's what happens. Bill O'Reilly from Fox News, he says, God, he says, God helps those who helps himself. The quote is seldom spoken in kindness. In fact, think of when we've even said it or, 
or you've heard someone say it to you, it's usually not done in kindness. It's usually challenging someone to get up from their pity party and get off their butt and go to work, go do something. And so it's a half-truth because the Bible does teach that God won't bless laziness, all right? Paul actually writes this here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 and 12. He says, we gave you this rule, talking to the church in Thessalonica, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. Now that's common sense. If we don't work, we're not going to eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. So let's imagine this just for a moment. Talking about God helps those who help themselves. We're going to debunk that today. So let's imagine you need a job to feed your family. Okay, you have to do it. And so what happens if, if you're like, man, I, I, I need to do something. I got I to gotta provide for my family. I've got to figure this out. Well, what's the first thing we should do? Man, get on our knees. We should pray to God and be like, God, I need you to help me. I need you to show up. I got to provide, man. I got kids. I got to feed. We got to figure this out, Lord. I need your help. And so we go to him right away and we say, God, here I am, man. I need some help. But the second part is this. That doesn't mean then, then you go to the phone, you pick up the phone, or you look at the phone and you just wait. You just say, well, I did my part. I prayed, and now I'm just going to wait. Are you going to get a job? No. Why? Well, here's why. I call it the Esther principle. A few years ago, we went through the book of Esther verse by verse. Probably my favorite series we've ever done at the church. And you can listen to it online. It's a couple years old. But what the Esther principle is this. Esther, in the book, the entire Jewish population was going to be wiped out. They were going to be completely annihilated and killed. And so Mordecai, who's Esther's cousin, spoke to Esther and said, Hey, you need to figure this out. God's chosen you for such a time as this. And so she prayed, and she prayed, and she had the Jews fast, and they all fasted, and they, and they prayed, and they just waited and waited. But then she had to take action. So the first part is pray. Get on your knees say, God, I need help. But then the second part is that action step. It's both faith and deeds. And so she went to the king knowing she could be killed, and she approached him, and eventually, we're not going to unwrap it today. You can listen to it. But eventually, she told the king, hey, a decree went out that my people group are going to be annihilated unless something happens. If she would have just prayed and fasted and ignored the Holy Spirit speaking to her heart, we have no idea how that could have changed history today when we talk about the Jewish people. Here's the deal. God blesses people who display energy and initiative. Okay? You ever watched ants work? Seriously, yesterday there was mosquitoes in the air. Really? Already? Crazy. You ever watched ants? We get ants up by our house. It's all sand. You ever watched them just work? You know, they get and they just go in their lines and they sit there and some of you are like, I don't watch them, I kill them. All right, I get it, I do too. But if you've ever watched ants work, you'll agree that they're busy all the time. They're just busy little creatures. And so Solomon, the most wise person in the Bible, writes in Proverbs about an example that God uses for us with this tiny little creature, the tiny little ant that any of us could squish. Proverbs chapter 6, 6 and 7. You lazy fool, look at the ant. It's kind of harsh there. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer, it stores up food. So how long are you going to lay around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? In other words, there's a, there's a time and place. I think we all get down at times. We go through states of depression or despondency, and, and we feel crushed. But then there's a time where it's time to wake up from our slumber. It's time to get help, or if it's clinical, go see somebody. And then there's that time where 
Hey, we're Minnesotans. It's nice out. Winter's done. Come on. Let's get moving again, right? Can I hear an amen, somebody? All right, so that's what it is. And so what happens is we end up buying in not to the truth of God helps those who help themselves, but the lie. And here's the lie. The lie is this, that self-help is the best help. Well, you got to have self-confidence nowadays. You got to have a good self-esteem. You got to do it. You, you got to do all of this and everything and then fill in the blank. And so we become so performance-based. You know, if you perform better at work, you get a promotion. You perform better here. You get that. All of this. And so this statement is really, really dangerous because this lie promotes the value of self-help. Some say the whole self-help movement began in this book called I'm Okay, You're Okay back in the 60s. Today, every secular bookstore that you go into, you'll find a whole section related to self-help. In fact, it's become a drug for us as a culture, which is really interesting. In fact, at one bookstore, um, there were some titles in the self-help section. You'll you'll love this, and we'll we'll leave the, the name of the bookstore out. But these are actual titles. I didn't make these up, okay? But here's the first one. Help yourself. Think, and then you'll grow rich. Cool. Didn't know that one. Create your own destiny. Wow, it's about us. I believe in me. (laughs) Right. These are my last two favorite. Ten stupid things women do to mess up their lives. Don't buy that. And then my favorite one is, try Plato, not Prozac. (laughs) These are real titles of real books. And so what happens is this. If we buy into that life, it's, it's all about self what happens, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks within this series, is that then it no longer points us upward, it points us what? Inward. It points us inward, and the Bible will never, ever do that. You see, self-reliance, what happens if you believe in the lie, it makes us arrogant because we think, I got it, I can do it, I can do it. Now, there's nothing wrong with being confident, but when we become self-absorbed, then we become from confident to extremely arrogant, and that's a fine line we have to walk as a Christian. Self-reliance makes you arrogant. How many remember Muhammad Ali? Pretty confident guy. In fact, probably one of the most self-confident guys we know. In fact, he was known for, historically, he would look into the camera and he would shout, I'm the greatest! I'm the greatest! Well, one, one story goes that he got on a plane and he sat down and the, the stewardess came through and said, Sir, you need to... You know, you need to buckle up. We're getting ready to take off. And uh, he just said to the stewardess, he said, Superman don't need no, no buckle, you know. And the stewardess kind of looked at him and said, yeah, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> like, <laughs> get out, buddy. Here's the deal. Every single one of us was born with this self-centered personality. It's our sin nature. It's not our human nature. And we create this self-centered universe where about us. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 17, it says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth. Okay, see, think about this for a moment. If God rearranged some of your brain cells or some of mine, you might not have the material possessions you think you earn. So we've got to be careful to give credit where credit is due. We want to be reflectors of God's glory, not receivers of it. Now, I want to brag on our church for just a moment. And again, we do this giving God the glory for what he's doing with and in our church. 
this last week, we started Financial Peace University last week, and half the people within our group are from this community. They're not even from our church. It's awesome. And it's just great to see God using that program to reach people, you know, for Jesus. It's been awesome. And I had one couple last week, it was their first time here, and uh, I'm going to keep all these names out to remain confident, but uh, they came up to me on Sunday and they said, hey, we heard you announce Financial Peace University. We'll be there tonight. And they said, uh, and here's, it's 100 bucks to go through. They handed us 100 and, and I said, awesome. And they said, no, you don't understand. I said, well, what's that? They said, well, we didn't have $100. And we were talking to one of your congregation members and they just gave it for us to go to tonight. That was one of you guys. That's awesome. And the second thing is this week, I, I, I shared last week um, that we had you know, quite a few gifts to bring for our Easter egg hunt. And uh, I shared last week, let's make sure all of them go. Well, truth be told, when we all left, there was actually quite a few eggs left. And I was like, oh, man. And, and all of a sudden, some people came and went from the church, and I came back in. And all of a sudden, all the eggs were gone. And I came into the office the next morning, and every single prize was accounted for. And you guys have said, we'll take that. And so I'm just going, man, this is the church that we get to serve. This is a part of it. So can we just give God some glory for what he is doing? It's about him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. It says, God resists the proud, but he does what? He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And so be on guard against any kind of self-assurance that produces arrogance. Because here's the other part of the lie that we buy into. Self-assurance makes us forget our dependence on God. If we become self-dependent, why do we need God? Well, I don't need you, God. I got it. And so if you believe that God will help those who help themselves, then you've probably convinced yourself that you can handle most situations on your own. You're going over that horizontal down oak tree. I, I got this. I got to figure it out. You know, that way you only have to bother God when, when you face the really tough situations. But God isn't looking for people that want to be self-reliant. He is seeking people who understand what it means to deny self and depend on Him for absolutely everything. Jeremiah and the prophets, he says this, verse 17, verse 5, he says, we read, this is what the Lord said. Now, this is the message version, so it's a little expanded here. This is what the Lord says, cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans, who thinks he can make it on muscle alone and sets aside God as dead weight. Got to rely on God. You know, one of, the, one of the dumb things that Christians say too, there used to be these bracelets for a while. What would Jesus do? You remember the WWJD bracelets? Well, that one was fine. Here was the dumb one. The, the dumb one was frog. Did you ever see frog bracelets? Okay. They didn't last very long, but I remember walking in. It used to be Northwestern Book and Bible, and I saw a little bracelet, and it said frog on it, and I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, what is it? You know, and, and it might be a cool way to share your faith, and people think you're weird and run from church. But anyway, um, I thought, what, what does it mean? And it means fully rely on God. It was an acronym. I thought, well, that's a cool acronym, but I, I'm not sure it, gets the point that it's supposed to get. In fact, I don't think they're, they're sold anymore. Some of you are wearing them today. Please forgive me. Um, we'll get you new braces. And uh, a frog, I think the meaning of it, though, is right on. Fully rely on God. Not just partly, not just, well, I'm just going to rely on Him a little bit. No, fully. And so God helps those who help themselves. It's a lie that may lead someone to think, well, maybe God needs our help instead of us needing his help okay and so in this self-insurance our plans they can become a substitute for god's plan when 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 is god going to get through and again i'm preaching to myself today that god doesn't need our help he doesn't god helps those who help themselves i don't believe it 
I believe that it's a lie. So what's the truth? Let's unpack the truth together here in the remainder of our time. The truth is this. God actually helps the helpless. Are you at that place? And I shared last week that, you know, we're a church about broken people. And if we're not a church about broken people, then we're a broken church. Okay? And so when are we going to get to the point where we, we're broken before God and we just say to God, I'm helpless. I don't have it figured out. Man, we put the greatest things on Facebook, don't we? But yet, we're hurting on the inside a lot of times. We don't share all that stuff. We're broken. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to be helpless before our Lord. That's not a character flaw. In fact, it's a character strength to say, Lord, I'm broken before you. I don't have it all figured out. I need you. So the truth is God helps the helpless. Those who think they have enough power to do it themselves, what happens is they try harder and harder and they don't seek God's help. But the Lord responds to those who cry out to him for help. So let me ask you this. Do you need God's help today? I hope so. Here's two ways you can find help from God. The first is this. Number one, admit you're powerless to help yourself. Admit you can't save yourself. You can't do it. Are you a typical guy like me? I refuse. I'm arrogant when it comes to asking for directions. I will not do it. I would rather figure out how to get from here to Australia in a car without asking for directions. Come with me, I dare you. You gotta admit you're powerless to help yourselves. There's a great book, it's one of my favorite books. It's called Grace Awakening. You know Dr. Chuck Swindoll, he wrote it. And I wanna just quote him here. I don't wanna miss anything, so I'm just gonna read this to you. He says this, he says, I consider the most dangerous heresy on earth the emphasis on what we do for God instead of what God does for us. Some are so convinced of the opposite, they would argue nose to nose. They are often the ones who claim that their favorite verse of Scripture is, God helps those who help themselves. The fact is, God helps the helpless, the undeserving, those who don't measure up, those who fail to achieve His standard. Nevertheless, the heresy continues louder now in history than ever before. Most people see themselves as masters of their own fate, captains of their own souls. And why not? It supports humanity's all-time favorite subject, self. It's good. It's really good. Psalm chapter 94, verse 17 through 19. King David says this, Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death when I said my foot is slipping. Your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Bringing joy to our souls only comes through Him alone. Nowhere else. And so the second part to get to that place of saying, God, I'm helpless, is, is this. Trust Him alone for help. So admit you're powerless. And then number two, trust Him alone. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's a great equation. Live by it. Trust in Him alone. I don't have this on the screen, but King David, in Psalm 121, he writes this. He says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? And he goes on and he goes on. And what most people think within this scripture is that David was lifting his eyes towards the hill because they reminded him of God. But if you read the Hebrew in which the language it was written in, the Hebrew actually reads quite a bit differently. In fact, does my help come from the hills? What it really meant was, no, my help doesn't come from the hills at all. My, hill, my, my help comes from God. Because when David was looking 
at the hills. It represented the armies that were coming to attack. It represented the wild animals that would come and attack. It represented the unknown, not knowing what my future holds, all of that. And he said, I rest alone in God. Rather than worrying about what's beyond, I'm going to put my total trust in the Lord. And that's what David did. He gave us a great example. Here's the deal. The only reason that David, when he was fighting, when he was there, that he could go to sleep at night was this. He knew that God was not sleeping even when he was. God was watching over him the whole time. I heard, I heard this great illustration. It was about a Christian businessman who was leaving for a two-week business trip and he prayed with his wife before he left. Lord, please protect Sharon and the kids while I'm gone. And then after he finished, his wife looked at him and said with a smile, thanks for the prayer, honey, but who do you think protects us while you're here? I don't know about you, but does your wife ever sound like the Holy Spirit to you as well? A little side note. So here's what I want to finish with this morning. The next time you hear someone saying, God helps those who help themselves, be sure to say, I don't think so, bro. I don't think so, sis. Not true. God helps the helpless. And use it as an opportunity to share. You know, when the Industrial Revolution was in full swing, there seemed to be no limit to what technology, you know, could do. In fact, today we've seen it even, even at a greater pace. You had the telephone, the airplane, the electric light, the horseless carriage called the car. They were all invented within the first few years of the 20th century. And then it was a heavy time when man had this confidence in himself and this confidence in our technology. And at this very pinnacle of this evolutionary time, you know, of, of, of basically technology, they constructed what was the largest ship in all of history. You remember what it was called? Titanic. Biggest, fastest, most luxurious, beautiful ship ever built. A symbol of man's technological evolution displayed all of man's glory. When it was dedicated on May 31st, 1911, a historian writes that one of the employees of the White Star Line who helped create it was overheard to say, even God himself could not sink this ship. On her maiden voyage, Captain E.J. Smith sped along at 22 knots because he had no reason to fear such a petty, th- petty thing as an iceberg. After all, he was on an unsinkable ship. But as we all know, it wasn't unsinkable. On the night, April 14, 1912, Titanic sideswiped an iceberg, tearing a 300-foot gash in her starboard hull. In an ironic twist of fate, the water compartments, which were designed to keep the ship afloat, actually is what caused it to sink. Because the six compartments at the bow were left open at the top, and when water filled them, the ship was pulled down at such an angle that the seawater spilled over into the seventh compartment, the eighth, the ninth, and so on and so on. The mind-boggling thing about the Titanic is while the ship was designed to carry 3,000 passengers, there were only enough lifeboats for 1,000 people. That's the height of arrogance. Lifeboats were super flawless on an unsinkable ship. Within two hours and 40 minutes of striking the iceberg, the unsinkable ship slipped below the surface and settled on the bottom of the North Atlantic. 705 people survived the lifeboats. 1,528 people lost their lives because there was no lifeboat form. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Here's the deal with the Titanic. Some of you have seen the movie. Uh, near, far, wherever you are, I don't know in your faith. It's the last time I will ever use a Celine Dion illustration at this church. But let me finish by saying this. The iceberg wasn't responsible for the death of those people. Human arrogance was and self-reliance. 
You see, our world's much like the Titanic. Here's that, that moonless light, plunging full steam ahead, music's playing, parties are going on, they're unaware and uncaring of the iceberg ahead. Sadly, the Titanic is the epitome of the self-confident attitude that says, I got this, I can do it all by myself, nothing can stop me, I don't need God, he's nothing but a lifeboat, besides I'm enjoying the glitter and the glamour and I'm enjoying the music and the party. Don't bother me with any iceberg, iceberg reports, Pastor. Let me just say this. There is a lifeboat. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you place your life in him, he will carry you safely over the waters of eternal judgment. But in order to do that, you have to admit that you're helpless, that you're sunk without him, and trust him with all your heart. Remember, God helps those who admit they are helpless. It's the only time that we make that faith jump or that faith journey. A few years ago, there was a teenager, and the teenager um, was kind of questioning his faith. And I remember sharing a message with with these teens, and I gave them two options. I said, here's the deal. I said, if you give your life to Christ, I said, in your life, as a Christian, you give your life to Christ. You don't receive eternal life when you die. You receive it right now. And this is the worst that ever gets. Well, you know, this is, this is it. This is the worst it ever gets. But the best is yet to come. But then I said to him, I said, here's the deal. I said, if you're not a Christian, this is the best it will ever get. So you better live it up to its fullest. Now, some youth chose to follow Christ. Some chose to live it up. Afterwards, they posted it onto Facebook and all of that. Where are you at today? Are you ready to say yes to Christ? Are you ready to say, I'm going to commit to you? You're going, I haven't surrendered this part of my heart, but maybe this part. Let's pray. What's God speaking to you? Lord, we're so grateful. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.